you shouldn't be here. You're in trouble. During the war, I killed 50,000 of you. What's one more? I am a ranger! We walk in the dark places no others will enter. We stand on the bridge and no one may pass. We live for the one. We die for the one! I've just broken two of your ribs. Sorry. Take that free. Gillette faces a challenge for power that could ignite a civil war. The only way you will get to her is through me. Sentencia, it shall be. On an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we're a group of newbies watching babylon 5 for the first time and a group of first ones who are watching it for way too many times and we are here today to talk about gray 17 is missing uh for those who checked out our post yesterday i'm sorry it was all mike's fault he came up with that idea i blame him but uh, as you saw yesterday we were missing but we are back at our normal scheduled time so i'm scott and with me is nicole i'm chinchilla emily evan and mike can't take justin anywhere i don't even know what to do with that <laughs> i don't Let either it- just, just roll with it. Roll with yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're missing a few folks due to work, but uh, they'll be back with us soon enough. So we're going to dive on into this wonderful episode. But before we do, you can join our conversations on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by following all the links down below. And also, if you want to join our Discord, where we are discussing a whole bunch of different things, you can join our Patreon. And all Patreons do get access to that Discord. And if you join with the Grey Council, you can be listed as a producer. And thank you to all our producers listed down below as well. With the big thing that helps the show grow is reviews. And we got another one in from Apple and a five star. So thank you very much for that. And this one comes to us all the way from Germany, from Thrawn1138. Thrawn's having, a, I guess, a good week based on what I've seen on the social media. So he looks a little less menacing than the books but whatever thrawn 1138 says great podcast for newbies and first first uh he meant first ones but it's first tones so at first i almost said flintstones but we'll go with it i've been listening to you since the first episode and now it was time to leave you a few nice words i've been a fan since the series started here in germany in 1995 and have watched it countless times since then. Over time, of course, you only see a big picture, so it's a real pleasure to look over other people's shoulders at their first viewing, reminding me of my first experience. The overall picture is rounded out by the background knowledge of the first ones as well as the general great chemistry between the participants and the great humor. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to the other episodes. 
Thank you, Thrawn, for the review. I'm not sure if I should be creeped out by you looking over our shoulders, but we appreciate the support from Germany. And we have a synopsis from Emily tonight. Emily, what's your synopsis of Grey 17 is Missing? Shipbag Naroon shows up to kill Delin, and res- religious zealots have created a hidden, in quotations, level B5 with a deadly alien. That looks like a Gorn and is killed like a Gorn, but we'll talk about it. Oh, yeah, that's Gorn definitely... With scissor hands. Gorn with scissor hands right next to Freddy. It all works. Uh, let's go with our newbies first impressions and we'll go to Emily first. First impressions on Grey 17 is missing. I wish I could say I didn't hate it, but I kind of fucking hated it. <laughs> like, oh God, it was so painful. And I know you'll appreciate the reaction video of me bitching about how much I was tired of watching it. Um, I hate Naroon. I don't like the religious dude. And how did they essentially lose a level of B5 and like no one fucking questions it for how many years now? Like really, y'all just, what, there's like 30 levels in the other sections and you're like, I'll just try nine or no one can count. Oh, nope. It sucked. Didn't like it. Zero stars. Nicole, first impressions. You know, I didn't hate this episode. Um, It wasn't my favorite, but it was pretty good. I think there was a lot of setup and revelations in this episode. So I think it was important for some of the things that happened to kind of set up the future. Um, That's just kind of the take I got. Um, Holy Freddy Krueger. That made my day. I literally screeched. That was Robert England, right? (laughs) It absolutely was. Robert. I'm not allowed to Google. So I just was like, that is him. I know it. But um, I also, you know, as we all know, I don't like Naroon. I've never liked Naroon. I thought he was a dick. I got to say, by the end of the episode, I kind of started turning a little bit towards the I don't mind Naroon side. Like, I kind of like him a little bit now. Marcus proved his badassery. Garibaldi is very ingenuitive and creative in this episode. Um, So, yeah, there was, again, it, it wasn't the greatest, like, oh, my God, what a great episode. But there was a lot of setup for, I think, what's going to happen in the future. Also, we finally learned what the fuck Grey 17 means. So, yay for that. I uh, saw Emily shaking her head emphatically when you said you liked Naroon. So I'm looking for the the Naroon conversation. Justin, first impressions. I mean, my first takeaway with this episode is, you know, I'm glad to learn that we're named after a dirty ass gang of misfits with a bunch of crackpot theories. So (laughs) it it makes... Not saying if it fits, but... I mean, the shoe does fit. It fits. If it fits, we fit. We resemble that remark. Yeah. The glove fits, so we cannot acquit. Um, I kind of like seeing more into like the the ranger ceremony whole thing was kind of cool about them trying to find a replacement for Sinclair. The whole thing with Naroon actually was pretty decent, and I actually enjoyed watching him this episode as well. Um, you know, the yeah, I mean the rest of the whole you kind of missing Garibaldi level thing, and to me it looked more like a predator than a Gorn, but we won't necessarily go there just at that point. But like I said, it wasn't not my favorite, but not the worst thing I've ever seen. And now we'll go to those who have seen the entire show. Mike, first impressions. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it was worse than I remembered. You know, the, the whole A plot with uh, the missing level we'll get into, but not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> and, uh, the thing, the the rest of it, to be honest, the the plot line with Delan taking over as Ranger One and, and Naroon, I I actually did somewhat enjoy, even if it 
even if I do have some problems with it. So it's uh it's a four out of ten, maybe. <laughs> Your ranking is missing. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> Kevin, first impressions. I like this episode. I don't think that I love it, but I like it. Yes, the Gray 17 plot is garbagey for many reasons, but I do have a spoiler. So this is the very last time that you will see the Monster of the Week with a rubber suit. Because (laughs) JMS, after this episode, went, you know what? That just doesn't fucking work. And he stopped doing it. So now I'm trying to think. There's a couple actors who could be monsters in rubber suits. I'm thinking about one in season five. All right. But, you know, you would think that after infection, you know, and uh, I'm I'm trying to think of the other one that uh, had had a monster of the week. But, you know, you would think that he would alert. But no, I mean, you just you want to have that in your toolbox as a writer. But unfortunately, it just doesn't doesn't work for uh, 90s television, especially. So he stopped doing it. But anyway, the B plot is one of the better ones, uh, I think. And it's very enjoyable for me. I really I've always liked the Naroon character. That doesn't mean I like him. It just means that I find his character interesting. And this is a great episode for Marcus and for Lanier. So I I probably like this episode. I don't want to speak for Scott, but uh, possibly the most out of all of us, because I guess I'm willing to look over the the weakness because it has such a strength on the other side. So... Uh, before we get into my first impression of the episode, a little bit of background on why the hell we're called Gray 17. I've decided I wanted to be named after one of the worst episodes I could find, but it also had to be Babylon 5 related. So Gray 17 is missing if you go to the good old Lurker's Guide P5 scores, is the fifth lowest ranked episode of the entire series. And it is the only episode not in season one to be in the bottom five. So when you look at it, the other ones are Infection, TKO, Born to the Purple, The War Prayer, and then Grey 17 is Missing. And you know what? None of those scream Babylon 5 except (laughs) Grey 17 is Missing. So that's where we got from. And the one, I wish Jessie was here tonight to uh, tell the story herself. But when I recruited all these interesting people, I said, we'll meet on Grey 17. The newbies not knowing what the hell that meant, but Jesse had to go out and start figuring out if that was a new social messaging platform <laughs> she had to download. And she was like, legitimately like, I don't, I don't have that app. How do we talk? <laughs> so I'm glad that you all know now the pain that is Grey 17. But for me, this is the same kind of problem that a lot of these middle to lower tier episodes have, and that is the one storyline, the A plot or B plot, is painfully bad. I'm looking at you, TKO. And the B plot is actually really good. We get a lot of great stuff about the Rangers, Delenn. I agree with Nicole. This is a really good turn for Nehrun, who I think is one of the best side characters in this entire show and marcus gets a lot to do and even lanier gets a lot to do so that is great that's why you can't skip gray 17 is missing because it is important to the plot if you could just cut out everything with the jigsaw dummy and freddy you'll be fine but 
This is where we're at. I think there's at least two episodes this season that are weaker than this one, which everyone's probably going to want to, you know, put their fists up and fight me on. But I don't like the Avalon episode. Mm -hmm. And I also don't like Exogenesis. And I think that episode's pretty garbagey. So, well, I will say Exogenesis is the top 10 lowest episodes. So So, I'm looking forward to our our end of the season live when we're going mm-hmm. to duke it out over yes. when, you know what episodes are better and what what are worse because this one it, 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 if you put this against exogenesis or avalon i'd watch this one every day of the week cough cough the- avalon was better cough cough <laughs> that's a great shameless plug because if you go to our twitter account right now i am running the bracket so you can have your say in the fan vote and we just finished round one and i'm not going to say what happened because uh i want everyone to be surprised on this team but we are going to do round two voting probably this friday so go to our twitter account which is linked below and you too can piss off kevin with your vote let's dive into the episode nicole what do you want to talk about I was going to say, let's start with the the shittier part, which is excellent. Gray 17 is missing. stuff. Okay. So first of all, um, that creepy doll thing. Hell motherfucking no. Okay. (laughs) I don't do dolls. I don't do clowns. No, I saw that thing. And when it started talking, I was like, this motherfucker, Garibaldi needs to shoot it in the face. (laughs) And then it shoots him with a dart. And then when he wakes up, it's right next to his fucking head. I literally would have shit myself if I was Garibaldi. I do not like those stupid little dolls. Then he wakes up and he sees these weirdos in cloaks. And God, I love Robert England. What a hell of an actor. But boy, was he a cuckoo puff in this episode. Holy shit. I was like, what is this motherfucker talking about? Like, none did of this makes sense. Did you just call the king of horror a cuckoo puff? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Um, I love, I like, Freddy is my favorite, favorite horror. Like, if you ask me my favorite horror film, Friday the 13th is hands down probably the best in my book. Like, it was the predecessor to all these bullshit-ass jaws, uh, saws and jigsaws and hassles. <laughs> this bullshit and- jaws? Whatever. Okay, good. Not jaws. I'm not the one who's a fan <laughs> yeah. freaks or film freaks are going to yell at tonight. Yeah, that's I fine. Agree. Jaws is one of the worst horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean jaws. I meant saw and jigsaw. And it came but... out like six years before Friday yeah. the 13th. But, I didn't okay. mean jaws. The shark movie is terrifying. I didn't mean that one. But, um, but yeah, I feel like... I just, I couldn't, I was like, why are you doing this? You're hurting my head. Like, I just did not like, like any of that whole weird culty thing. Also, the monster did look like Predator. I was thinking, are they going to rip his spine out? But what was crazy to me was, okay, Garibaldi, as I said earlier in my first take, is is ingenuity, right? He, that is supposed to be one of the most dangerous, lethal aliens around, he literally took him out with some steam, a pipe, and a couple bullets. <laughs> like, I was like, yo, if that dude is supposed to be dangerous, he went down without a fight. So the whole thing was just, I just laughed. Like, it was funny to me. But it hurt my heart to see Robert England be a cuckoo puff. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let somebody else say something. But <laughs> it just, to me, it was just laughable. I want to point out, you all can't see it when you're listening, but we do this on Zoom and people raise their hand when they, they want to talk. I hardly can get anyone ever to raise their hand, but on this point, everyone's got their goddamn hand up. Kevin, what do you got? Well, I was just going to mention what, what you alluded to, Scott, because I had the same thought. That was like some Captain Kirk shit because it, it really reminded me of Arena uh, kill, or trying to kill the Gorn. So yeah, that was definitely some Captain Kirk shit, but it... It, it was it was dumb um 
And it it also, you know, you you really didn't get any sense that, you know, what Jeremiah was saying had any value whatsoever because the Garibaldi character couldn't have been less interested in anything that he said, because all he wants to do is get the fuck out of of Grace 17, uh, which I understand. My, and my, uh, Kevin, to that point, my favorite scene this entire goddamn episode is Garibaldi just chewing on his fingernails. Like I have I, yeah, that was doing. pretty funny. Yes, <laughs> for sure that's funny. Um yeah it it is so bad the the A plot that I I get it, but it's it's I can't wait to get to our talk about the B plot because it's uh it's it's a great one, but yes, the A plot is garbage. I I and it did look like Predator. That's the same thought I had too. It definitely did. But yeah, I mean Robert England is is wasted. Garibaldi, you know, Jerry Doyle doesn't have a lot to do this season, so they gave him a Garibaldi-centric episode that was garbagey. You know, it just it's a shame, but it didn't work. Justin. I mean, the first thing I thought when I was watching this episode, and like the guy at the beginning, the maintenance guy, he's like, Oh, there's nothing wrong here. And then he just gets like sucked down the tube. I to me thought, oh great, we got xenomorphs on the fucking station. Here we go. I wanted really to like Robert England as well. But the whole scene where like Garibaldi's going down all the levels and he's counting them all off and everything like that. And then he gets to gray 17 and it looks like the goddamn trash compactor from Star Wars. <laughs> you know, and I'm just going, okay, you know what? This shit's starting to make sense then. I'm like, okay, I'm following the name now. <laughs> and then just the more kind of went into it, and I'm like, God damn, Scott, he pegged this name for us perfectly. Because <laughs> we're just a fucking dumpster fire of <laughs> bullshit. And it it, it 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 the name fits really well. So I do congratulate you guys on that. You shouldn't um, be here. You're in right. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it was yeah and then you got fucking chucky like shooting you know drugged ass darts at people like what the hell was jms smoking when he wrote this episode because i would definitely love to know funny you should ask <laughs> he was pretty he was pretty brutally honest about it go ahead yes. no yeah i mean it's i will st i will not bury the lead jms said on the usenets that he would like to go to everyone's house and apologize <laughs> As he but, so he here's how he kind of puts it there's a couple different things so i'm just going to read through it real quick uh the jeremiah thread was one of those things that looks great on paper but when you get into camera, I don't know. It's one of those weirdnesses that happens in televisions. Sometimes you can have what you think is an average script and it just roars to life on camera. And sometimes that looks great on paper, but in real life, eh, I'm happy with all the other stuff in the episode, but the Jeremiah thread, so basically all the Grey 17 part, uh, didn't come off as it should have. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. the same story of the Green Lantern movie. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. My favorite part of the Green Lantern movie was in Deadpool, where Deadpool shoots him while he's reading the script. <laughs> <laughs> You'll thank me later. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Mike. Yeah, uh, they really should have titled this episode, Robert England Needs a Paycheck. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, the man put in a pretty okay performance, all things considered, with what they handed him to work with. Uh, I'm not convinced that he didn't ad-lib most of that dialogue, which... It definitely sounded like he did. Um, I, what you were going to say? Well, I was going to say JMS is very adamant, not in this episode, but for all the times that no one ad libs his scripts. Well, I 
wouldn't have taken credit for that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, I, and actually, it's funny because that was the remark that I really did want to make about the first, you know, this plot is the fact that the idea of like a mechanical oops a daisy and like the elevator skips a floor and everybody just kind of bypasses it. Like, look, if you if you work in the tech sector, like this is a 100% plausible thing. Like <laughs> there's absolutely a chance that that something like that could happen, except shit breaks all the time. Right. And so you're going to tell me that the station's been around for X number of years and like something never broke that caused someone to like crawl down the ladder and go, Oh, here's an extra door here. Like I have to agree that on paper, the initial concept of like this secret level that got lost to, to time and bureaucracy is is kind of an interesting, clever idea until you think about it, like at all. <laughs> and then it immediately falls apart and you just get more and more upset the more you think about it. And frankly, I'm a little bit even upset with the fact that Garibaldi found it so easily. It was almost his first assumption. He talks to the engineer and she's like, ah, oh, the thing says... 30 they're actually only 29 he's like yeah there's a hidden fucking level down there <laughs> and uh not to mention let's talk a little bit earlier because you've mentioned was it exogenesis previously on mr garibaldi detective <laughs> a man went to garibaldi and said a bunch of people are randomly going missing in brown sector and he could not give a fuck less <laughs> one True. person comes in and says <laughs> daryl from from uh electrical didn't come home from his shift last night uh, and Garibaldi's like, I'm on the case. <laughs> and I'm going to ride the elevator all day long. Well, we know he likes riding elevators, although it was to find Talia. So, you know, she's gone. So <laughs> this is love true. The elevators. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and then who said it? You thought the alien was going to rip someone's spine out? <laughs> Not on this budget. <laughs> Somebody had the good sense to say, we're going to shoot this thing in a dark, poorly lit room, and we're going to blast it with dry ice smoke and hope everybody gets through it. And that is exactly what they did. <laughs> so JMS also talked about the Zorg or the Zarg or whatever. Uh, and as Kevin mentioned, <laughs> you're not going to see many rubber suits anymore. <laughs> But the one that I do love is, to Mike's point, is like, how the hell do you lose an entire level of a station? And for four years, Emily, you said the same thing. Um, somebody asked, how the hell do you get a Zarg onto also a, that. Onto a oh, station? Yeah. Definitely. That's, and, that, uh, that, that bears some fruit there, because we've, we've talked before about how Garibaldi <laughs> might be a shitty security officer, <laughs> security chief. And yeah, how the fuck did they smuggle a Zarg onto the place? Maybe, maybe they start off itty bitty like sea monkeys. <laughs> he flushes it down the toilet and it gets really big i don't know oh they just did a harry potter spell reduce spell and then you know so jms did a little hand wavy thing on this he was asked how do you sneak a snarg a zarg onto a station and he said there was a line about slipping the egg onto the station don't remember now if it made it through the edit or not it did not jms <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> i'd like to think that maybe like somebody smuggled this little like tchotchke down there and, and it got lost down like a grate and fell in the 17 and then like read repulse and went Bake my monster <laughs> that's good oh god okay nicole yeah. what you got i was gonna say my favorite part of the whole gray 17 is missing part was garibaldi trying to explain it to sheridan 
That was funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. Like Sheridan was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Am I going too fast? Like he was just like, da, 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 da. like, oh, just another day. This crazy thing happened. I think that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah, and the Sheridan look where he's like, do you do you really have your fucking feet on my desk, dude? Yeah, it was such a funny scene. I was going to say, Sheridan's never been more relatable to the rest of us either. Yeah. Justin. I mean, Sheridan's got a point. Where the fuck were you, Garibaldi, during this massive security issue on the goddamn station? But, you know, my theory on the whole Zarg thing is that's what happens when you sinfully flush all your knuckle children down, down the toilet. Oh. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Welcome to, you're like the Garibaldi of this podcast. You are. <laughs> you absolutely are. We can't take you anywhere. Catholicism catechism on Gray 17. Oh, Christ. Um, but... <laughs> okay, I don't think I'm going to really what cover else? for that. Good night. Every Zarg is sacred. Every Zarg is good. God, get me off this. Christ on a cracker. If a Zarg is wasted. Christ is a cracker. <laughs> God gets quiet. Oh, Emily, I just caught that. <laughs> what you say? Well, a wafer, technically, not a cracker. <laughs> to our Catholic friends out there, hi, how are you? <laughs> and I went to Catholic all-girls school. That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. That explains everything. Welcome to Grace 17, Faces Their Demons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a Zarg, run! <laughs> the group therapy session on Grace oh. 17. Should we but anyway how everybody on Gray 17, like on that level, just how are they still alive? Or yeah, what are they maybe, eating? Like <laughs> I'm conf well, I'm confused. Seriously. How are you all still alive with the deadliest alien in the sector stalking about? But also, is it? <laughs> maybe, it's like a, maybe it's like a snake. It only feeds like once a month and they feed him the idiot of the group. Like Jim Bob's been around too long. Maybe it wasn't becoming one with the universe. properly by its kind in the ways of hunting. So it lacks some of its <laughs> Well, it, it did walk right into him twice. First time he got a steam bath and the second time he got a bullet. Well, he, he did eat the maintenance guy, so... Yeah, so and then Robert England did say he didn't yeah. want to be sacrificed to it, like it was an honor. I'm, I'm gonna be the guy who points it out to Nicole. He's probably the only black guy in maintenance in the entire station, and of course, oh I, god, no, oh, it's man. terrible. It's, it's true. It is. It is. The black guy always dies first. It is a horror movie. I actually thought it was graboids at first, but <laughs> god. Okay, yeah. So Robert England worships this thing as being the perfect predator, and yet easily minces away from it whenever there's a problem and has survived for four years <laughs> i've decided i'm not yet pure enough to be with, eaten. A, with what appears to be early adult dementia <laughs> oh no oh, like, god what? And, and anyway i'm glad scott went with my first pitch for the 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 prank because my other idea was to just have a loop of or to have a uh a one hour span of absolute dead video silence and then have charcoal Chucky pop up at the end as a jump scare. Oh, hell no. <laughs> charcoal Chucky. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Charcoal Chucky. Justin, what else do you have to enlighten us with? I actually wanted to propose a possible C plot to this episode. Oh, Lord. Now, hear me out. The very beginning of the damn episode, they're recruiting, you know, telepaths to fight the shadows like zach's going through this whole thing he's interviewing that whole shyster dude who just wants the damn paycheck then call me crazy many people have but call me crazy i swear to god when 
they say, how's the recruiting going? That is Sinclair's voice, not Sheridan's. I watched it three times. To me, it sounds like it's, it was almost like an editing thing where maybe it was like a Sinclair line saying, how's the, you know, how's the recruiting going? But I could have sworn it was Sinclair's voice. And then when Ivanova comes in and talks about trying to recruit telepaths and then it goes to Sheridan and it's Sheridan's normal voice. I watched it three times on the DVD. It still sounds like Sinclair to me. I don't know if there's any information or if anybody heard the same damn thing, but Kevin's going to go check it out apparently right this second. Okay, time but, out. I'm going to pull the fucker up because what? Okay, hold yeah, on. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm, I got it. I got it, Kevin. I'll be <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I got my, tw- I got my, uh, my extra legal copies here. Because that's like in this minute, I'm like, is Justin batshit? But he's probably not given that. He watched it three times. I, I understand. Okay, so this was when, where was this at, Justin? It was right where at this end of the scene where Zach's recruiting the telepaths, and then it just kind of you overhear how's the recruiting going, and then Ivanova's right. in Sheridan's yeah. office talking about it. I got it right here. So, so how's the recruiting going? That's no. Sheridan. That's Is Sheridan. Sheridan. Okay. Bring it back one it's... more time. <laughs> So how's the recruiting going? Oh That's fuck, definitely dude! That is so sure. Okay, I don't know then. No, never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you find out at the end of the series that he's the one. Sheridan is actually Sinclair. It's a Scooby Doo moment. It's all yeah, pulls off, pulls off the mask, and it was Sinclair the entire time. <laughs> oh, the Zarg all the time the was Sinclair. Joke, the real joke is that Sheridan is actually in the Kosh costume. Ah, <laughs> uh, I knew there was a big spoiler coming. No, okay, then that's just my poor hearing. So carry on. Okay, I, I had <laughs> Kevin was pulling up the DVDs too. I had to check. <laughs> that's not the craziest I'm thing glad, that's been said on but this I'm podcast. Glad. I'm glad though that it was resolved because it was really nipping at me. So anyway, we were really on. nipping. Oh, that's I was man. Oh, oh. Uh, uh. So the Sorry. one thing we the one thing we haven't talked about uh, in terms of uh, this piece that I want to hit on that actually is somewhat relatively important. And the only thing I, I can grasp out of the uh, Jeremiah piece of this is that his religion, according to JMS, is correct. Because we've heard several times already on this show mm-hmm. that the universe is sentient and the Mimbari say the same thing. We're all trying to learn what the universe is and everything else. So it's a crazy cult, but according to the showrunner, they may be right. Well, there was that whole scene. There was that whole scene in the garden about it, where Delenn was talking yes. about the same damn thing. Yes, but that's the thing about it is that it comes off crazy because you know it's Robert England doing a, a crazy guy part, and it's Garibaldi like, I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. I want out of here now. <laughs> so he he looks disinterested, and the guy looks even kookier because he won't listen to him. The other thing I wanted to throw out there before we move on is I'm not a huge gun owner but i know how bullets work <laughs> that, that's not how bullets work kids 
<laughs> they did the exact same thing in the movie Shoot 'Em Up. About <laughs> I, I love that movie, by the way. It's so good. I mean, if you if you heat the bullets up to a certain temperature, they can cook off. If you but heat them to a certain temperature, they're going to explode in your fucking right, hand. Right, they're right, not exactly. going to go anywhere. I don't know. I don't know if that steam by itself is enough to do it. But even Gary Baldy said it may kill us before it kills him. So. <laughs> Jesus, I want to do a Grey Seventeen Mythbusters episode now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Except I don't. I want to pay some other person to hold the pipe. <laughs> okay, Facebook friends. One of you will do it. Oh, I know it. Don't. No, I know am it. not suggesting that no, anybody no, they make me a meme of your hands after they've yeah. exploded. <laughs> they sign a waiver, it's fine. No, they did not. <laughs> no, you're just by listening to this podcast. You are acknowledging yeah. that you <laughs> if you disagree you with that acknowledgement, you have something wrong now. with you, but yeah. <laughs> Anything else on the Gray 17 portion of this episode? I okay. think, no, I think we're good. <laughs> Let's go ahead and dive in first, because I want to get any of your all's impressions on it, is the telepath recruitment with our good buddy Zach Allen and what I think is meant to be comedy. Anybody? <laughs> that was weird. It didn't people. make me laugh. Yeah. Why is Zach recruiting them? What does he know about telepaths? <laughs> he's not. He's just a bureaucrat. His job is look at the resumes. Oh, I see. Okay, so we got nothing on that. I said, okay. I, dude, I've interviewed people and it was no less kooky than what happened with Zach and that guy. Okay. <laughs> this is true. The people this who just true. want a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. They just want a paycheck. They don't care what they do. Just pay them and they'll go do it. I'm a fast learner. I could totally read mine. I, yeah, I, think, I think you're pretty cute too, buddy. What's the Winston Zeddemore line from Ghostbusters? If it comes with a paycheck, I'll believe whatever you tell me. <laughs> I mean, shit, man. I've had, I've literally interviewed people who told me they probably wouldn't show up for their first day. A Gen wow. Zer, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll do a, a shameless plug for uh, for JMS's book uh, since I'm about halfway through it now, and you know, it really strikes me as um, you know not not the awful part of his of his father but the um the slimy part of his dad that's kind of how he went through his whole whole career was uh conning his way into into a job and running it as long as he could until they decided yeah you're just a fucking drunk and we're gonna fire you now so I, I don't know if he was pulling from from his own personal experience, but let me tell you, I'm about halfway through that book, and I do not understand how the man is still sane. I told you he should have died at the age of two. I told you. Yeah, it's 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 a hell of a book because it's I a love the hell of a story. Going back, we need to do a review after all of us have read it. But um, I, going back to the father relationship, I love the fact that an entire chapter of the book is him reading the emails. JMS brings the receipts, literally. Oh, wow. I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> Enjoy. He just yeah. reads the emails. Well, if you're on the audio tape, it's Peter Jurisic reading the emails. But right. there you go. Yeah, I want Peter Jurisic to, to read my, my life story. Not that it would be interesting in any way, but the his his voice is definitely what i would want uh to uh to read my story now with less nazis than the other one yay yeah well I, at least i assume less nazis I like, I like, yeah i, like I don't want to dig at that at that family tree too far because about half of my family does come from germany but they were already here by the 40s thank god 30s and 40s thank god awkward yeah german american boon brother german american boon I like I like this question real quick. Go around the table. If you have a biography written about yourself, who do you want to read it? Oh, that's a good one. 
Hmm. Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Emily, you're the book reader. Who's reading your book? I don't know, because that would be more like an actor type thing. I read books. I don't listen to them as often. Yeah, and if it can't be per- Peter Jersek, I want Will Wheaton to write, to read it, because he certainly does a good job. He's He's got a lot of work doing that now. He does. He does. I was That was one of my go-tos. Now I got to come up with another one. Nicole, what do you All got? right. No, no. Take that oh, one. You're good, I you're already good, took Peter good. Jersek. You're good. That's a hard question. Um, probably myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's really narcissistic well, that's, I'm about to say who's yeah. got the fucking ego here Nicole? no it sounds it sounds narcissistic fuck all of you I'm reading it myself but I do I am a professional broadcaster so I could read my own audiobook if I wanted to you know Cags Cags the autobiography read yeah. by the trauma team but I guess if I had to <laughs> pick someone to read my autobiography I honestly have no fucking clue I'm just gonna pick someone I love and I love Gwen Stefani so I'll have her read it well, that was random. Does she read it in the like the no doubt voice? Nice. <laughs> be... uh, just the kegs. This is now the seventeenth time that Gwen Stefani is sold out. It's great. Listen, we're not going to talk about that, sir. Dude, if I have an ounce of fame, I will sell out. Fast what was that? You fucking blink. <laughs> that... What was that term Marcus said to the death? That's how I am about Gwen Stefani. There you go. There's my answer. I the like guy it. who plays in the room, John Vickery. There I'm you going. go. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. He also plays Scar on Broadway. We've discussed this before too. Our play. Oh no shit! He was the he was Scar on Broadway the for a time. Scar. Yep. Wow, yep. That's John Vickery. Awesome. And he's got the voice. When you listen to Nayroon, just think in your head, Scar. Absolutely. Okay. Actually, I have a I have a I, I want to switch mine. <laughs> now she wants Lady Gaga. No, no, no. I would have I would have Alicia Silverstone read my book because I wanted to be Cher from Clueless since I was a teenager. And that tells us what the book's about, too. Great. <laughs> I'm a dingbat? Okay. <laughs> you said it. Emily, you have your hand up. Yeah, because I thought about it. Uh, Jeffrey Combs. There you go. At which Jeffrey Combs, though? Are we talking Brunt? All of them. Talking Wayun? Oh, he, oh, he goes in and out of it? Okay. To cover okay. your many personalities. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Shit. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Not I mean, really are we going specific? Are we going specific characters of the people like they're going to read could. any specific character's voice? Because I guess Alan from The Hangover is how Zach would have to read my autobiography. <laughs> That's what I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you didn't answer your own question. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a little torn. Uh, it's it's either Bruce Campbell or Matt Berry. I, I would go for Bruce Campbell with you. Matt Berry. No, oh, okay. Bruce Campbell. I mean, no. I could listen I to Matt Matt Berry read a phone book, but like I think it would be Bruce Campbell. As many times as we have watched Bruce Campbell films, I think that has to be a case for that. I'm, I almost yeah. lost my job at Western watching Baba Hotep. It was great. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot I was on duty that movie. night, and they called me. Where the fuck are you? I'm watching Baba Hotep. What do you want? That's a great movie. Man, no, it's I'm not. Actually, I watched <laughs> part of Escape from L.A. earlier today, and that's what kind of made me think of it. But <laughs> The dog dick of Anubis. I love that movie. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, let's move into the some bonus content for the Patreon right there. Nope, that's staying in. Okay. That's... Much like watching Garibaldi in an elevator for two minutes, this is what's called filler. So <laughs> let's oh, go with a uh... stuff right there. You have to Emily. establish his scientific method. <laughs> he actually counted to seven. We all know it. Okay, let's talk about Nerun, Dylan, and Intilza. Nicole. Okay, so um, 
This was really interesting. And like I said earlier, I think this was um some setup for the future. Uh, at first, when Nehrun came in threatening Delin, I was pissed. I was like, how dare you threaten Delin, you son of a bitch, you know? And they kept saying Mimbari can't kill other Mimbari. So I didn't really know if he would act. Um, but people get crazy when they're, you know, not in the right mindset. So Lanier, I thought it was really creative the way he explained to Marcus why he could tell him the secret, but not like Sheridan. So Lanier basically took things into his own hands and told Marcus and then Marcus, you know, challenges Naroon, which um, that was a pretty cool fight scene. It was pretty badass. Um, but I think the highlight for me um at the very end when Nehrun went to go see Marcus and all the stuff that he said to him, like, you know, basically you made me question, you know, like basically he, he realized that he had a, you know, bad intent and um, that, you know, he had the heart of him in even though he wasn't in Mimbari by blood and, you know, all this stuff he said to him at the end, I thought it was really heartfelt and really interesting. But I think my favorite part was when Marcus was like, can you, uh, next time you have a revelation can not be so uncomfortable <laughs> and then it just pans off to you just hear them laughing you know and i just thought that was kind of sweet like they just had this crazy battle and <laughs> poor marcus is hurt and like nehrun got his head out of his ass and then they laughed together I, I don't know i just thought it was really it was kind of a wholesome moment and i think that um you know I think nehrun realizes that delen is the one who's meant to be in charge and he'll hopefully get out of the fucking way now kevin see now the newbies know why i like marcus so much because this is a fantastic it show uh show of how honorable marcus is and self-sacrificing that he is for people around him that he cares about and it really is um, the best illustration uh, of the character up until up until this point. But there is one one thing I want to bring up that I think is a flaw in the writing, and that's that if Narun felt this way about Delen taking over, I refuse to believe that he would have been okay with Sinclair being the Entelza. Does anyone have any dissent on that? Anybody else before I chime in? Is the Intel Za Valen? Well, no, Intel Za is Ranger One. Oh, Ranger Ranger One. One. Okay. So Sinclair was named Ranger One. Right. When he went to uh, be ambassador of Minbar. And Naroon does not know that Sinclair was, was, is Valen or was Valen. They only. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be confusing about that. I just mean Ranger One. Yeah, the, the only people who know Sinclair as Valen are the Vorlons, Zathrus, and everyone else who was on that ship with World Without End. That was it. So. And they probably told told Garibaldi, I'd imagine. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, you know, I think they tried to explain it because Nehrun kind of talks about, and then you muddied the waters by letting the humans in and everything else. I wonder, and I'm not disagreeing with you, Kevin, but I wonder if when Sinclair was made Ranger One, the Grey Council still existed. And Nehrun was on the Grey Council. So that's the only argument I can make is Nehrun knew the Rangers were just a meh thing we didn't have to worry about. We ignore it. But now that there is no Grey Council and Nehrun is basically out of power, yeah. he sees this as Delin, because he's even said, Delin's going to take over the Rangers and the next thing she's going to do is take over Membar. She's going to become a dictator. Yeah. So I think, I agree with you. I think he would have put up a fight. Absolutely. 
but this is the only kind of way I can kind of explain it. So he doesn't he doesn't think of it as a power base, you know, when Sinclair has the job, but now that it's going to a yeah. power vacuum, no gray council to a Minbari, now he's like, Yeah, no, that's a bridge too far for me. Yeah, it's kind be, of a joke. That's a great theory. It really is. That's that's what I can come up with, because you're right. I mean, Nerun would not sit back and let a human run anything, but if he thinks it's a joke, then Yeah, that's a that's a solid theory. Well, and do we know at what point that any of them even knew that Sinclair was Ranger One? Well, it was. I think he was made clear that everyone kind of knew because, like, Marcus knew point? who Ranger One was. Yeah, but right, but Marcus is a Ranger, so I mean, I guess yeah. I kind of question how much the other okay. Mari cast knew about what was really that. going on there. They well, knew the Rangers existed. They knew yeah. that they were up to something. Yeah, that makes sense. Emily, what do you got? So at first, I actually. I I did expect Nurin to try to kill Dalin because he doesn't see her as Mimbari anymore since the transformation. And that was like one of the sticking points he had had with her originally is like, you're part human now, you're not actually Mimbari. So to kill her would not have been an issue for him. Um, and then when he was fighting Marcus, I when Marcus was like explaining to him why he was fighting for her, I was like, well, he's either going to take this opportunity and actually yes. kill him, or he's going to figure out that he can't win this battle because you can't beat the ideology. Like, he could kill Marcus, but all these rangers have the same ideology, and he can't defeat that. So um, I was actually kind of surprised he didn't kill Marcus. I think he is such a shitbag, I actually expected him to. Did any of you actually think this was the end for Marcus when he, like, Nerun shows up with the bloody, uh, bo- Kevin? Yeah. Justin, I'm sorry. So Justin's got his hand up. I thought and it was. I did, too. So all our newbies thought that Marcus was done, checked out. Mm-hmm. They even make you go to commercial break if you have commercials, because Lanier checks Marcus's pulse and then commercial break, so. Yeah, and that's when I thought, oh, shit, is he dead? Justin, what do you got? Yeah, I thought Marcus was dead when uh, when Nerun was entering the ceremony. He just holds up the bloody pipe because, especially kind of the mm-hmm. the whole speech that Marcus gives right at the end where he's saying, you know, I would live and die for the one, meaning I would live and die for Delenn and, you know, whichever one he's particularly talking about because there's three of them. Um, but that whole speech i'm like that's a good death speech that's a death with honor speech yes and so then that's kind of when then narun walks in with the bloody pike and everything like that and i'm like yeah fuck marcus is dead man kevin okay yeah kevin's gonna be yeah this is gonna be fun tonight um but game over man game over game over i have actually a tendency though in listening to this conversation i have a tendency to agree with mike uh, more about the I really don't think the whole lot of the other warrior cast really knew anything much about the Rangers until kind of they couldn't keep the genie in the bottle anymore with the whole Babylon 4 incident that kind of I think maybe made a lot of what was going on with the shadows more public and especially kind of the open attack on the shadows like with the whole um, telepath attack on on the White Star and stuff like that so now this is becoming a lot more out in the open the battle against the shadows so i i really think at this point that really probably the warrior cast and even narun probably didn't even maybe didn't even know the rangers existed until recently mike yes i guess you know besides my my theory about um the whole ranger one thing because i do agree with what kevin said i think the probably would have had a problem with it had he known about it sooner and so i 
was looking for an explanation as to why maybe we didn't see anything come of that. And, and it seems plausible that, that maybe they either, you know, didn't know about it. Maybe they didn't even really care too much about it until the great council was, was dissolved. And now all of a sudden everything is turned upside down and, you know, Narun is looking for answers. Um, but I guess more to the overall story uh, or situation with Narun and Dolin in this plot, I guess I had a little bit of a different read on maybe the character of Narun. I mean, he's he comes off as a very right-hearted dickhead. <laughs> Definitely a dickhead, but like I think his intentions are are sound. He's worried about somebody amassing power in place of a, there being a vacuum and, a, and he has every right to be because as far as he knows delen is running a secret paramilitary organization that's building advanced warships and now she's setting herself up you know to to be the leader of that that would certainly be concerning if if he wasn't super familiar friendly with you know her as a person so i think his intentions are 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 good and to that end, you know, I, I kind of think he comes to B5 not because he wants to be there and he wants to undertake this mission. I think it's weighing very heavily on him. I don't think he wants to kill anybody. And I think he makes that clear when Marcus confronts him, you know, initially. And by the way, Marcus knows going into this that he has no chance of winning is, is my read. I think he's intending to stall uh, until the ceremony concludes. And that's is what it is. I think that is Marcus's only goal entering yeah. this. Yep, completely agree. But I mean, he's, he's there to die for the one. Yeah, but I mean, so they they meet, they fight. Marcus gets his ass handed to him a little bit, and Narun offers him a way out, even though Marcus has made a sacred to the death, you know, challenge at him. So that to me tells me right away, Narun doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want to kill Marcus, and I don't think he really wants to kill Delenn either. And I think it probably doesn't honestly take a whole lot for Marcus to convince him that his course of action is not the right one. And so I wasn't really fooled by the, you know, the cutaway of Marcus being dead or not. But I, you know, I guess what I'm saying overall is I just don't think Narun is, is a bad guy. Uh, I think he's going to be an ally, you know, in the end. I guess um, I, I what the only thing I'll, I'll say about that is if, if she really wanted power, she could have just taken it because they offered her the leadership of the council. So I, I, I completely agree with you, Mike. I just... You know, it's it's really twisted because she could have had as much power as she wanted to. And that was before Nairun. He was even there to have a say. He wouldn't have a say at all. She just could have taken it. Emily. Well, I've always seen Nairun as power hungry because he had no problem tilting the weight to the warrior cast on the Great Council. And I think he was just angry because, yeah, Dillon has the Rangers and they have, um, you know, the ships that the warrior cast doesn't have access to. And I saw it as he didn't want her to have the power because he wants it. And he was trying to figure out how to basically amass the power under himself since there is a void. So you think it's not the warrior cast, it's just Nerun himself? I think it would be him trying to use the warrior cast to that advantage, yeah. Because he, I mean, if he was really concerned about a balance of power, he wouldn't have accepted a spot on the Grey Council. Justin. Can I can I derail this trail, uh, train of thought for a second? We haven't been derailed already? Usually do. All right. Oh, ah. yeah. That's that's my, that's my, uh, that's my motif. It's your superpower. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's the only thing I'm fucking good at. Um, anywho, is Naruto telepath? Do we, do we know that yet? We don't know that. No. How? How is? Tell me, Justin. How is Nerun a telepath? 
Well, I didn't know in that whole scene in the hallway where he first approaches uh, Dylan and they're talking, no one else seems to like be paying a damn attention. And all of a sudden, Lanier walks up and he's like, oh, hey, Dylan, how's it going? And she turns around and he's gone. I didn't know if that was some kind of psychic projection or if he just disappeared like Batman around the corner. So either Nerun, Kevin, you're gonna kill me. Either Nerun, either Nerun is Luke Skywalker or Batman. What <laughs> either one. Okay. I wish he had done I the whole Michael Ke- the Michael Keaton Batman where he just you know <laughs> drops yeah. the <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you see him screwing around the corner through the fog. Like <laughs> I always love that scene in uh, 89 Batman where he scoots up in the smoke and you see his boots. Right. There he goes. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Keaton's the but, best I mean, Batman. But anywho, I, so so like that was my whole thought is I didn't know if that was some kind of projection he was using or if just he disappeared while Delenn was distracted. So I didn't know if there were any thoughts or any theories on that or if it's, again, another batshit fun thing with Justin. I've got it down as a question. We'll talk about Beyond the Rim. Is Nehrun a telepath? Anybody else have anything they want to talk about before we get to questions, predictions? I guess I'll throw out one more kind of general comment and it's just like this one of these weird coincidences where I don't know what different television programs I was watching, but I've seen a couple of different shows recently that had this theme about, you know, whether, whether the means justify the ends, you can have the best intention at heart, but how you get there is as important, if not more important and and can betray your cause. And so to me, I, I, I then watched this episode last night and I was like, yeah, that applies to Naroon. I think, the road to I think, hell is paved with good I, intentions. I think his intention is to to save the Mimbari people from a dictatorship, and he's he knows that he's going against the sacred law of Mimbari don't kill Mimbari, and I don't think he's very stoked about doing it. And I think you know that kind of lesson applies here when he gets faced at the end with a with a duel against Marcus. He's like, yeah, I, this probably you you've convinced me that this is what I'm doing is not the right thing to do. I also think Marcus and Naren are going to get a hookup later. Smash. You heard it here first, folks. Nicole's not shipping Marcus and Naren. That's right. The mic is. I think Jeremiah and the Zorg were also cooking up. That's why they were still. Was he fingering him? (laughs) God, I hope not. (laughs) Because they both have claws. Get it? Playing the part of Justin this minute is going to be Scott. <laughs> Emily, what do you got? Um, so I think the thing that actually irritated me the most about this episode overall is that some really big things happened, but the episode just didn't feel like it was a good episode because the issue with Dylan and Arun and Marcus is pretty big for the storyline and uh, Dylan's position, um, not just on B5, but like within Mimbari society as well. And it gets stuck with this weird gray 17 oh babylon 5 has a missing level and it just i don't it it was disappointing in that i felt like it could have been so much better especially given what like this b plot if that's what we want to call it jms had the same kind of point is he's wanted to actually talk about the rangers and nayroon and delin a lot 
for a while. So what he said was, uh, grade 17 thing was something I wanted to do for a long time. And there wasn't going to be a chance to do it down the road, if at all, after this season. So I went for it. So you're right. He, he basically shoehorned in that part with Nerun and Delin because he knew he had to finally get it in. And he's been juggling it for a while, waiting to see where he can insert it. So you're right, 100%. So the one thing I wanted to kind of point out, too, before we get done, you know, it started with uh, Emily's synopsis on religious zealots, and we were making fun of Jeremiah about the cult and everything else, which is what we should be doing. But Nehrun says the same thing. He says he's fighting Dillon because he doesn't want a religious zealot in charge of his government. And any other show, any other reality, I'm pretty sure everyone on this Zoom, and myself included, would be saying, I don't want anyone near my government that's a religious hokey-pokey person. But for Dillon, let's go for it. It's interesting, the little dichotomy there. Well, shit, Scott. I. You raise a good point. And part of it's because she doesn't come across as detached from reality. Like Jeremiah. Yeah, she's not cuckoo cuckoo puffs. If she was wearing those glasses and looking cross-eyed, then we'd be worried. And I mean, yeah, she's really strong in her beliefs and everything, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like the like she's preaching to everyone about it. Like her approach to it just feels really different. So it doesn't seem as out there or feel as out there. Maybe the Mimbari religion is just not quite as oppressive. A little more chill. <laughs> a little more chill. That's He's the other more thing. of like the universal, like like the uh, Unitarian Universalist preacher. It's like, eh, whatever works. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> what the boat. universe is about. Yeah. I don't care what you do at home. Just make a donation yeah. as you leave, okay? Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> we got to fix the stained glass. It's fine. <laughs> the other thing that we learn about in this uh, piece that we haven't really talked about that I just enjoy, because even three years in, almost four years, now we're still getting little tidbits so we hear about Delenn's dad basically died during the war not because he was in the war but just because it broke his heart and Delenn's mom she's only seen a few times and I'll be honest one of the things that hits me the most every time I watch this episode especially in the past 13 years is that line Delenn says about the day her father realized he can never put her on his shoulders again Mm -hmm. I've been there twice out of three times now Aww. and it's a rough moment it is absolutely rough so that yeah. that that line hits me every time yeah i definitely didn't almost cry at that i don't know why you brought it up or why you suggested <laughs> that <laughs> that it, oh man it's it's rough okay anything else guys the only thing i was going to mention is we finally i mean franklin's still on his walkabout when ivanova goes to get the underground railroad information and there's a lot of plot points in this he's, episode isn't there he actually did forget that it was another thing he's, he's not he's not doing he's not looking too high no yeah he's not what, what, like, what do you mean justin the, what do you mean he's got the yeah he's got them dts going on and shit like that and yeah, it's it was it it was just kind of it was I I I almost feel like that this has to be and I guess maybe this will be question and prediction territory, but I almost have to kind of question where this kind of fits in in the ongoing story with what's going on with Franklin because he's still kind of MIA and he even makes Ivanova like swear that no one else will come looking for him or anything like that if he provides this information. He's like leave me the fuck alone. Like Fine, I'll give you this information, but don't come. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see Garibaldi. I don't want to see anybody. Don't come looking for me anymore. Stay away. 
all that kind of crap. So he's, he's got to keep walking as his ass is sitting in a booth at a bar. I have to right, keep walking. You know, like, all sweating, all sweating, getting the shakes. And he's like, I'm still trying to find myself. Like it's it. Yeah, it's I, I do. I, do I, love- I have to question why that was in the episode. So maybe <laughs> there's something in a future episode of like, OK, we now we're seeing him at his worst before he starts to come out of it is kind of what I'm hoping that we see. But it's like, why was that entire plot point in there? I, I still don't have no idea. Well, I do love the plot magic, too, that for this specific drug, you can go an episode and bang a singer and enjoy yourself and then you start having then a you hit rock bottom yeah <laughs> then you hit rock bottom it's the plot magic of the drug it's great yeah <laughs> i i thought they were just trying to establish that b5 does in fact have a waffle house yeah, that's true. <laughs> damn damn that's about it for the episode i'm glad somebody brought up franklin because like mike i completely forgot franklin was in this episode there's a lot of plot points in gray 17 is missing it's almost like we're getting to the end of the season and jms is trying to throw some stuff in before he gets to the end interesting, dun, dun, interesting. Dun. you know i gotta i gotta mention too because i thought about it about a dozen times since we started recording when when garibaldi gets shot by the chucky doll and passes out and then wakes up and the fucking Chucky doll is still right there looking him in the face. It, if it had just shot him again and then he, <laughs> yes! and he passed out and then he woke up and again. again, going back to the filler, we had 45 more seconds of yeah. Jerry Doyle going, oh, oh, turn, it, turn it into a Family Guy skit and repeat right. that bit four, five, seven or eight times. I, I, com- comedy gold. Oh my God. I will say the one nice thing about the the uh, the, uh, the the dressing of the set there, if you look at the newspaper articles, the newspaper articles are captain appointed for, uh, commander appointed for the station and Santiago elected for second term. Oh. So they've been down there at least since season one. Damn. That was not Jerry Doyle's best acting. <laughs> and Jerry Doyle knew it too. He was walking through that and he knew this was a paycheck episode. Yeah. Let's be honest. Well, like this, yeah. this is the script. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. he even said at one point I, I was reading where he was just like, come on, you gave me nothing to do all season. And then you gave me an episode and this is what you give me JMS. Like really? <laughs> and I love okay. that he does the thing that people do where like, you walk up to this door that's locked and there are a bunch of people standing around outside of it and they're like, yeah, it's locked. And then you walk past them and try the door <laughs> Absolutely. anyway. <laughs> and you know what? Half the time those idiots didn't actually check and it is unlocked. Right. They've been down there for four years and he's like, oh, for Christ's sake, and he walks we've, past them and tries it anyway. <laughs> we've all been there to line out the door of a store and you're like, fuck it, and you open the door and the store's open. We've all that's, been there. That's true. <laughs> Okay, let's get into questions predictions for this lovely episode. Justin, I already have his Neruda telepath and what is going on with Franklin. So I got those. So let's go to uh, Justin first. Questions, predictions. How many telepaths are they going to find and recruit from Franklin's information? Are they going to find the network? Kind of what, what, hopefully they gain a lot of people from that to, to man their telepathic spider murdering ships. Then my second question is, you know, how what's going on with Sheridan and Delenn, man? Like, are they are they a thing? Are they not a thing? Sometimes they look like they're acting strictly professional. Sometimes they're a little bit of a tender moment. But even like he couldn't even like give her a kiss and give her a hug or something like that. Like, what's going on with those two? Are they are they smashing? Are they not smashing? Who knows? I guess Nicole probably does. Then predictions. 
I think Narun will end up becoming part of the Army of Light. I think there's going to be this connection with him and Marcus that I think he since since he's kind of acknowledged the way things are going, I think I almost see him kind of go ahead and be like, okay, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And he ends up becoming part of maybe the maybe not the inner circle, but he but he ends up becoming involved in the fight. If you're playing Mass Effect 3, he's a war asset. Basically, yeah, I guess is what you uh, um, now how and then my last prediction is, I mean, maybe not so much a question or prediction. I'll let you kind of decide where this fits. But we've heard a lot like I like the like I think we've mentioned before, we've heard a lot of this, you know, we all little said bits of the sentient, you know, sentient universe and stuff like that. How much does this kind of theology end up tying into the shadow war and just kind of the whole the birth, fight, death, struggle, cycle that it seems to happen every about a thousand years, maybe, you know, of the rise of the shadows, they fight the shadows, they defeat the shadows, and now the shadows are rising again. Is this more of like the whole Battlestar Galactica, the circle repeats itself type thing? And how does this kind of whole religious theology kind of work its way into it? Yes, just like Battlestar Galactica... Sheridan Delin will pop up in modern day United States for no fucking reason at the end of the series. Oh, in Manhattan? Okay, yeah, that's a great And yes, I understand what that was, and I get it, and I get it. I don't like Battlestar Galactica Season 4. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, 4.5, I have my own issues with, but that's another discussion for another day. (laughs) Okay, I got that as a question, uh, Justin, so thank you very much. We'll go to Nicole next. Questions and predictions. Uh, my only question, I think, is Narun going to accept Delenn's appointment and kind of sit by and let her take charge, or is he going to start some shit down the road? Um, and then prediction-wise, I think that, um, you know, now that Marcus kind of had his big moment, I think he's going to be more instrumental over the next rest of the season i think he's going to have a bigger role or i hope he does at least um but i think he'll be a bigger role in this uh as we get closer to the fighting with the shadows and all that stuff good and emily all right so my first prediction is that i will lose my shit after one more crap episode i will snap because i will have reached my breaking point uh question one though Let's see, time out first. What you think are crap episodes usually are good episodes. That's the problem I have here. I cannot I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny because when I think these are stellar episodes, I get the I didn't hate it or this is a bad episode. So your taste make it really hard for me to answer this question. Well, I mean, I am friends with you, so I do have that going for Oh, oh that's fired. There. It, it's unfair. So I'm assuming I'm going to be a losing my shit before the end of the season. Um, my actual question was, how the fuck did no one check why there was a level missing? And then, let's see. Why am I still here when these episodes keep pissing me off? <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you couldn't leave us if you wanted to. Well, yeah. ironically, based on what Emily just said, I can tell you <laughs> that uh, I don't think I'm going to spoil anything by saying... You all are in for some whiplash because next week's episode is And the Rock Cried Out, No Hiding Place. Enjoy that, guys. And I would like to see what Emily thinks of that episode when it's all said and done. So when I come back with... 
I, you know what? I'll remember get how you said we remember how you said we were friends? <laughs> if, you, if you don't like Anne the Rock, <laughs> that may change. <laughs> and I'm just gonna leave it at that. All right. Everyone heard it. Our entire podcast. I heard it. All of our listeners will hear it too. So, so as the I line said, has been drawn. At this point, we're gonna jettison Emily out the airlock and the other newbies too. But I really want to jettison Emily right now. So we're gonna get rid of them, and then after the credits, we'll come back with Mike, Kevin, and I to answer these questions and predictions about what happens after Gray Seventeen is missing. And so until next week, when we talk about and the Rock cried out, no hiding place. I've been Scott, and with me has been Nicole. Chinchilla. Emily. Kevin. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I think somebody fr- finally got Mike after all yeah, this time. Uh, and Mike. And since this is our namesake episode, I just want to take a moment again to thank everybody who's been listening to us and watching us for the over a year now. Uh, and it's been really fun. I've been looking forward to this episode just so we can kind of answer some questions for the newbies. But uh, as I have said, and our our first ones have said for a while, we are full steam ahead as we get close to the end of season three and go into season four. And I think there's a lot more reasons for Emily's head not to explode than there is for her head to explode. So I'm looking forward to next week and then uh, quite a few weeks after that. So please again, remember to like, subscribe, follow. I know through analytics, only half of you are subscribed. So please help us out and click that button. It really does help us grow. And if you can, Uh, Join us over at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, remember, right now on Twitter, I am running the bracket for Season 3. So if you want to have your vote on what you feel are the best episodes of Season 3, go ahead and join us over there. And then join us on the Discord through our Patreon. And again, thank you to our producers down below. And finally, the one that helps us out the most is Apple Reviews. So if you can go over to Apple, even though Apple's a terrible company, go over there and give them uh, us a review over there. So it really does help get more people looking at our episodes and checking us out. So thanks again. And we'll be back next week. See everybody. Bye. The the one that helps us the most, that cold heart cash. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. We survived this episode. (laughs) Thank you for listening to gray 17, a Babylon five podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray 17 podcast or youtube.com at Gray17Podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. Again, this is a spoiler section, so if you've not watched past Gray 17 is Missing, or if you just don't remember what happens next, you should leave now so you don't get spoiled. But for everyone else, we're going to go ahead and dive in. And guys, before we actually hit the questions and predictions from our newbies, what, uh, if anything, do you have you want to add about this episode? Well, I just wanted to bring up about 
the discussion, you know, that um, Sheridan and Delenn had about her parents, because I thought it was interesting, um, especially when you think about the events of in the beginning. I think that her her father would have been deeply ashamed of her, you know, from her reaction to Ducat's death and her, you know, her, you know, complicity with the beginning of the war, which I would if I had to guess. You know, I I don't know of any in canon, and, and perhaps I'm wrong, Scott, but I don't know of any in canon um, discussion that she has about her feelings towards that and whether she is ashamed or, you know, is embarrassed or uh, feels, um, you know, some regret about that. But I would guess she probably does. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, the, the whole episode of Atonement deals with it too but she doesn't talk about her father but i'm really glad you did bring that up kevin because this this episode hits different when you know that she's the one who started the war she's like my my father my father died because you know she doesn't say heartbroken but basically he died because he was broken heart because of the war well she started the damn thing yeah or at least she she threw the first stone you know no mercy no mercy Oh, I mean, it's it's so it's such a great acting scene from Mira Furlan. I mean, it's fantastic and it's heart wrenching because, you know, that's not really who she is, you know, but she reacted, you know, in the moment um, and was not really in, in charge of her um you know her brain at that point she's thinking with her heart and she's hurt and she's like you know what i i gotta strike out um against you know who made me feel this this pain uh for my mentor who's now dead um it's you know you you feel for the character because you know Mm -hmm. that it's just not something that she would have normally done on under almost any circumstance but uh she just loses her mind for a minute. That's what Lanier brought up in this episode, too. You're always trying to be one of peace until you're not. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you. That is absolutely an emotional scene. And but also she makes the decision to take no prisoners. Yeah. She right. makes that decision. So and uh, we've, we've had this discussion on our discord for a while now of when do we play in the beginning for our mem- or for our newbies and when do we watch atonement? And I've made the decision on the schedule is we will watch in the beginning right after atonement. And that means that you know, literally in the beginning includes scenes from atonement that they just copy and paste. Yeah. But a lot of people have said, you know, you can watch in the beginning right after season three is over. But I think that really blunts the hit that atonement has when it comes. And I've also been yelled at a few weeks ago because I talked about Delenn's lineage and everyone said I spoiled atonement. Atonement isn't about Delenn's lineage. It's in there. But the big thing is we find out that Delenn was a massive factor in nearly wiping out the human race. That's what that episode's about. And I, I'm glad you brought up the whole piece there, too, because I think uh, when I watch that scene with her and Sheridan in the hangar bay, it, it, it hits different for me because I know that in the back of her head, she's thinking to herself that she killed her father. Yeah. With her shame. I mean, I'm glad it doesn't... Because, you know, the other thing that I thought when I was watching that that scene is that, and now you're in love with a human... Yeah. Like that's got to hit different for you even still. So she's got the fact that, you know, she, she, I, I agree with you. I think she probably thinks at least in part that she killed her father, but that mm-hmm. now, you know, she's in love with a human who they could have easily wiped out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he, she's dating Starkiller. <laughs> so well, that, yeah, which is weird in and of itself. Okay, let's dive into the questions and predictions, guys. So the first questions deal with Nerun, and the first one is: Is Nerun a telepath? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. no. <laughs> and, uh, we don't. I don't know of any canon on this, and there may be something that I'm just missing, but we never see a, a warrior cast member as a telepath. They may be out there, but the only telepaths we see that are Minbari that I know of are religious class. And I don't know if that's like all of them, but that's that's what we've seen. Wouldn't you assume that they would sweep them into the religious cast? Mm, I don't know. Could be. Uh, although, you know, the warrior cast has definitely been trying to build itself up for a long time. Um, so, you know, maybe they would want to have that weapon on their side, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just, but no, Nerun is not a telepath that we're aware of, and I don't think he is. Well, I'm going to ask a really dumb question here, I guess about Mimbari civilization and that is i mean am i wrong that the warrior caste and religious caste like they always have a distinct head bone structure uh, i think it's more male female so the like lanier has a pointed head bone a little bit not to the degree of you're right they're, 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 you're right a lot of the warriors do have a more aggressive head bone you're right so is it a coincidence and just you know they sharpen it, their teeth like crayons. making it apparent <laughs> to the viewer or is there you know i guess I've, I've always honestly kind of debated yeah. in my head whether or not it's sort of a like birthright thing it's like oh you're a, from a religious family you're going to the religious cast oh you're a warrior you're going you know yeah i don't i don't know about that because i think it's very clear that especially when we get to the episode where nerun dies and we'll get to that conversation in a second um it seems like you pick where you mm-hmm. go but because Nehru changes casts in that episode yeah. for about two seconds. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, yeah, it's a very interesting question. And I guess, you know, what we know about telepaths in their place in Minbari culture, it, it isn't clear what cast, if any, they belong to. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah, they're on a, they're, because you're right, because it, it's, yeah, I, I assume because they were wearing robes, but. That was a, what I was assuming, too, well, because of their, their clothing, I was imagining they were religious cast. Well, don't and they religious cast runs the White Stars. Plural. Well, and, and how did, um how was it, uh, Naroon in this episode, I thought it was in this episode, gave a, his, his, you know, summary of what the role of the different castes is, and that the yeah. religious castes are mm-hmm. servants of the people, and that is also in line with what we were told about telepaths. That yeah, that's true. Belong to the people. Yeah, I'm and not I, sure. I don't mean to pick on JMS when I make this comment because if I wrote something of this magnitude, it would be absolute garbage. But I don't think that, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before. I don't think JMS really had a very fleshed out idea about Minbari culture. Um, and so, yes, I think there's times when when he chooses to have it come out in the show. And I really like that this comes out in this in this episode. But I'm not sure that he had a total plan for that either, because, you know, there are some times throughout the show that it it's kind of contradictory or doesn't make sense. Hell, we don't even hear about worker cast until season two. That's this True. is part of my point yeah. is that. I just don't think that he had it all drawn out, but I mean, he's creating an entire universe and a robust one at that. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm not picking on him. No, yeah. I think in this moment, 
you know, though the uh, the discussion that Narun has about that uh, was, you know, and and just the whole the whole way that that was put together in this episode was really impactful. And that's that's another reason why I like this episode so much is I'm, I'm willing to look over the garbage of of the A plot because the B plot is so good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's move on to is Narun going to accept Delenn's leadership? Depends on when. Yeah. Not not initially. I mean, he allows her to run the Rangers. He's not going to fight her on that. But as we see in season four, there will be a Minbari civil war between the warrior cast and everybody else. And Nehrun spends most of his time on the warrior cast side up until the very end where he changes sides and helps Delenn and the others stage their coup by going to the temple and all of that good stuff. But up until that point, Nerun still is on warrior cast side. I think the fact that Nerun, you know, doesn't, doesn't kill Marcus, doesn't, you know, kill Delan, even though he's, you know, deeply um, suspicious of her motives and probably thinks that Marcus is, you know, a, a, a piece of trash because he's human which he you know he clearly doesn't like the humans um but and the fact that he eventually does make you know sort of sort of a shift is you know how robust the character is and how uh how complex you know jms writes great characters and and he is no exception and so i Scott, I agree with you. I think that Nerun is one of the one of the better side characters in the series. Him and him and Buster, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So next, we move into Franklin territory for a moment. What is going on with Doctor Franklin? I liked what Justin said. I mean, he you know he's going through some you know stim version of the DTS, and it's it's really screwing him up. And I, I I like I like that you pointed out that that plot device where it's like okay he was good for a you know one episode and now he's not. That's funny. Um, yeah, they got to explain it somehow. You might as well uh, go for the gold on it. But uh, I mean, you know, he's he's messed up, but he, he'll be better soon. Actually, I'm a little <laughs> surprised they even bothered to explain it. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an important part for the Franklin arc, but it'll be coming to an end rather soon. Let's see how many telepaths will be recruited. Well, we're not going to get a number, but we're going to know quite a few when we get to shadow dancing in two episodes because they're going to be telepaths stationed on all the league ships so as they do their preemptive strike. So at least some. Next up, and it didn't come from Nicole this time, <laughs> are Sheridan and Delenn smashing. Pretty soon. Yeah, not yet. She hasn't watched him sleep three times yet. That's still a plot point we haven't gotten to. She's creeped on him one time on the White Star. She's going to creep on him one more time when his wife shows up in two episodes. And then he's she's going to creep on him one more time. And then we smash. Next question, because Justin got religious on me. How much of the universe theology does uh, pl- how much does the university theology play into the shadow war the idea that the universe is sentient or that we are a part of the universe and all that good stuff and he started mentioning cycles and everything else not at all not at all <laughs> well i mean it, it I absolutely mean, does i mean yeah as a function of the show i mean it all it all goes together and the fact that yeah the cycles definitely that's all a part of it but um i mean when we get to um oh what's the episode where they flash forward 50 years i'm sorry i'm drawing a blank deconstruction of falling stars yeah, deconstruction of falling stars i mean that's that's a major you know 
point of many things, including theology within, you know, outside of the shadow war, but where they talk about it, because it's a retrospective kind of documentary type, um, you know, it all it all plays together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's absolutely JMS's. I think going back to our discussion last week, JMS is a foundationalist or whatever you want, foundationalism or whatever we call it. And uh, I, I, he, he is absolutely atheist because he says so himself many times, but I do think he, 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 atone, he agrees with this idea that we're all star stuff, this Carl Sagan idea. Um, and actually it really gets confirmed in the road home, the movie that just came out because Sheridan goes to the the rim and meets the universe. So it, it, it absolutely truly is true. I almost caught myself saying that. I was like, yeah, it actually is the the true religion, but I didn't say that. But it absolutely, I mean, unless Sheridan was having a feeder dream, <laughs> that's what it is. The universe is a, is, a, is a living thing. Then we go into Emily questions, which I always love. Why did no one check there, why there was a missing level? They did. And again, Blake and I have pointed this out, being the guys who have worked with the government the most. It is very clear to everybody that Emily has never worked for a bureaucracy. <laughs> no one gives a shit. The blueprints were wrong. Move on. No, right. They, they did. They literally said that that other technician was like, I have... I have gone up and down the elevator and counted. I didn't pay attention apparently to how long it took, Yeah, but and I counted the floors and there were only 29 and I said, and, good enough. And I went about my day. Exactly. And <laughs> if you look at, if you look at the numbering, when he goes on the, the, he goes to the, 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 the gray 17, that is gray 18 and it's listed as gray 17. So it's kind of like, you know, when you go on a, a, a high rise building in the United States and the number 13 is missing, that, that was what in I Italy, thought. I think it's yeah. a seven. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I said it before, and it, it's it's a clever-ish idea that doesn't make any sense in practice. Yeah. Like, there's no way that you would just, even in a high-rise building, if there was a floor that somehow the elevator just happened to skip because of a computer glitch, somebody would find it sooner rather than later. That's too big of a thing. It might not be the technicians, but somebody would find it and point it out. Well, the the one argument I I completely agree with you, Mike, but the one argument I would say against that if I was trying to be devil's advocate (laughs) is it is gray sector, which is basically just industrial tech. So unless you are a maintenance worker, unless you're uh, an engineering grunt, the Miles O'Briens, you're not going to go down there anyway. But that's what I'm saying is some some light bulb needed changing or some wire shorted somebody <laughs> somebody found it sooner or later and not to mention doesn't babylon 5 didn't we see that they have all these internal scanners there you go somebody so, finally brought it up right yeah. i mean there seems to be some weird shit going on between 16 and 17 and i'm pretty sure there's like a stairwell that somebody probably walked up and down at some point too no. you know like in the future we don't have stairs sir yeah <laughs> <laughs> where we're going we don't need stairs there's say, no backup plan if there's a fire it's it's, well, it's if there's silly... a, let's be fair if there's a fire in the station just you're fucked yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, like I said, it's a silly plot idea that doesn't even really work in a modern day setting, let alone in a futuristic space station setting. I don't want to pick on computer programmers, but we <laughs> had the computer programmers for the software that we use at my job come in and like, hey, any any interesting you know issues with the software that you have comments about? I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of fucking quirks in it. 
that don't make any gd sense and i point a bunch of them out and they're like oh no that's just because of this and all that and, and it's like they don't want to take any responsibility whatsoever for the glitch so i could see where it gets pointed out by someone like oh no there's no glitch it's fine let's move on i don't want to i don't want to have to fix it so i'm just going to deny it even mike are you feeling judged i'm i'm a gd computer programmer and i said it in the episode that i 100 percent could see something like this happening. <laughs> you did <laughs> i mean it was uh, shit it was like a month ago that i pointed out something about amazon cloud services i found a bug <laughs> i was like what about this guys and they're like huh <laughs> some random line of code it? no <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 definitely plausible that a mistake would be made it's implausible <laughs> that nobody would find it for four years yeah, yeah i hear you especially something like that well speaking of emily why is emily still here and i i, I think <laughs> to, i will say Again, uh, her tastes are just weird, so I don't know how she's going to feel. Completely but, unpredictable. But I think she's going to enjoy these next several episodes, uh, especially uh, The Rock cried out No Hiding Place in Zaha Doom. And then season four is just balls to the wall. It doesn't it stop. No. But she is the one who said that she prefers bottle episodes yeah. rather than um, rather than uh, serial episodes. So I have no idea. Which makes no sense to me because <clears throat> she's a big DS9 fan. Right. <laughs> I bet she's exactly. not talking about season one and two. I don't get it. <laughs> Very unpredictable. <laughs> so we'll see how Emily does <laughs> with the rest of the season three. Maybe we'll follow up and her with her uh, when we get to our recap show and say, has your head exploded yet? If I remember. So let's go to predictions now. Nayrun will join the Army of Light due to his connection with Marcus. Nope. And nope. I'll add Mike's prediction that Marcus and Nayrun are going to smash. Also, no. No. Yeah, no. Nayrun comes around, but again, it's very late in the game. Uh, I actually just I, I, I uh, did a show with the Who Are You podcast, uh, and we did this episode where Nayrun has his turn, and we actually had a conversation about when Nayrun makes his turn. Is it in the temple where he, you know, lights himself on fire, literally, or is it at, before? And I think it's really the episode prior where he learns that the warrior cast is starting to go outside of honor and just start killing people randomly trying to basically commit a religious cast genocide and so that's where he turns but it's not going to be until an episode before he croaks he's he's a great character and all all of it points to the fact that he has honor it's just not the same Mm -hmm. same viewpoint behind it as you know a viewer might have or that another of the characters might have but um i wouldn't say it's twisted exactly it's just a very different perspective but he is an honorable guy yeah the the best the best antagonists are the ones who aren't mindless villains they're people they're the heroes who, of their own story they're the yeah. heroes of their own story that's a great way to yeah they're, they're doing something for what they believe to be the right mm-hmm. noble intention and you know what if i'm a member of the warrior cast or the workers cast i'm agreeing i don't want any religious cast anywhere near my government that's right <laughs> thanos did nothing wrong oh <laughs> well, i won't go that far Marcus will be more instrumental as the series continues. Yes. Yes, up until the end of season four. Yeah, but I mean, he's going to have a lot more to do. I yeah, mean, you know, he will. Yeah. I, I, I love the Mars episodes where he yeah. and Franklin become buddy cops. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, he absolutely has more to do with Ivanova, obviously. Right. So I, we, we talked about this already when we talked about our good friend Keffer versus marcus is the difference is jms enjoys his character 
So he's going to give this character more to do. Is it because of this episode? Not really, but he's just going to get more to do. No, but it was a damn good episode for Marcus. And and I'm going to be the one to say I'm eating my words here because I went into this initially saying that I didn't care for Marcus, but in in this rewatch for me i'm actually yeah i'm a lot more that's good to hear because uh i know he's one of kevin's favorite but i've always loved marcus as well too so i'm coming around on him and then finally back to uh the predictions on emily emily will lose her shit after one more bad episode in season three i don't think there's a bad episode left in season three no there isn't (laughs) she won't there there will be enough good episodes to wash the bad taste away i don't specifically remember exactly what happens in shadow dancing but there's no possible way that she's going to think Zaha Doom or Rock Cried Out is going to be bad. So yeah, Shadow Dancing for just briefly is Sheridan makes his push against the shadows and gets the league the league to help him, but the league also holds back ships, and that's the big fight. Okay. Is the league's not willing to put everything forward, uh, but this, that's that's the big piece of that. And also, the Shadow Dancing refers to Franklin. Okay. And, dancing with himself oh that's right no i love that episode yeah no i don't no there's no way that she's gonna think those three are bad i don't think no i gotta double check and that. season four like does that have a stinker like there's oh my god it's just like one thing after another in that episode in that season i still think i still think season three is a stronger season but i'm looking forward to seeing season four to see how that works out yeah because there's some really good episodes in season yeah. four yeah. there absolutely is and then there's season five you know Reading his autobiography and him talking about the commune that he lived in, I was like, well, I know where some of this source material came from. Yes. yes. And then 100%. him with the the accidentally take, um, drinking the blotter, I was like, oh my God, now mm-hmm. I get where some of the other stuff comes from too. Like, he... So many good points. As soon as you're done with that, I recommend, and it's it's a hard read, and I will I, I always give a trigger warning on this one because it deals with suicide. Okay. But it is his, uh, to, and together we will go, which is uh, fiction. But you can definitely tell that JMS pumps himself into those characters. There's two characters who are writers. Yeah. So he's like, oh, those are JMS 1 and JMS 2. <laughs> yeah, I it's may really give that a book. shot. Yep, together we will go. I, w- I would definitely recommend it. Okay, guys, I think that's it for Gray 17 is Missing. It's the last uh, hiccup before we get to the end of Season 3 and to all of Season 4 and beyond. Uh, and also, we're going to start doing some movies in season four. We've got some movies to talk about in the next several weeks, so that should be interesting. Anything else you guys want to add before we go back to, I guess, Grey 16 or 17 Part 2? No? Okay. Nope. <laughs> A final reminder, just to join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, join our Patreon if you can. And finally, please, please, please leave us a review and also click those like and subscribe and follow buttons. They really all do help us out. We had a few weeks ago our best week ever and our best day ever. And it's all because you all are continuing to spread the word of what we're doing and getting new people on board. Every single week, I'm getting messages from people saying they just joined the show. So please continue to join us as we get this going and help uh, share, because uh, we got some really good stuff to go. I'm looking forward to Rock right out No Hiding Place. That's one of my favorite episodes of the entire show. Until next week, I'm Scott, and with me has been... Kevin. And Mike. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. The next time... You want a revelation? Could you possibly find a way that isn't quite so uncomfortable?